This is Jewish Board Talk with Sheree Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. September the 15th marked the second anniversary of the historic signing ceremony of the Abraham Accords at the White House. Ceremonies celebrating the Accords and the progress made were held in numerous countries throughout the world, including Belgium, Bahrain, Israel, and the United States. In the past two years, there have been dozens of first ever visits by heads of state, embassies opening, summits and trade agreements. I'm delighted now to speak to Stephen Bruce, head of the African Governance and Diplomacy Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs, to get a sense of what they have and have not achieved. Stephen, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sherry. It's nice to be here. Stephen, should we start with the positives or the, ne- the negatives? Always good to start with the positives, I think. Okay, so there have been, as I said, a number of firsts. Um, trade, I'm just looking at the numbers. Israel and the UAE trade has gone up 511% from 2022, etc., etc. So it's been real. There's been tangible results with regard to the uh, accords. Well, definitely on the side of the UAE, the United Arab Emirates and Israel, I think that's been the most fruitful partnership. Um, it's been the strongest one. And it's been the one where there's been definitely the most trade. I think there are similar economies, both uh, very high tech, uh, both living in uh, desert circumstances and, and needing to conserve food and fuel and, and make the most of water, uh, which is scarce in those areas. And, and I think uh, this accord just opened a door that wasn't open before. Uh, there had been under the radar, informal ties for quite a while, but this has allowed them to so to come out into the open. And uh, economically, there's really been a significant trade. I think it's it's projected to be $10 billion by 2027, which is five years away. And uh, that that's pretty significant. I think there have been uh, uh, over 450,000 Israelis have traveled to uh, uh, Abu Dhabi or Dubai so far. Uh, the planes are probably a little bit empty going the other way, uh, which has been a bit of a disappointment, uh, that not so many Emiratis have come to visit Israel, but, uh, Israel, Israelis have been attracted by the business opportunities, by the, everything that Dubai has, has to offer, the Burj Khalifa, the shopping, the, you know, this amazing, uh, edifice in the desert. And, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's been trade on the, on, on diamonds, there's been trade on high tech. There's been trade on water. There's been uh, law firms opening, uh, all that sort of thing. So, yes, re- really significant with uh, United Arab Emirates. With the other three, uh, less so. Um, Bahrain, there have been uh, exchanges and, and uh, uh, di- uh, at the diplomatic and, and, and business level. Um, Morocco is an interesting case, which I'm sure we'll get to. The one that's been the least promising, and I think that could have been predicted right from the beginning, has been Sudan. Uh, they were the last country to join the Abraham Accords, but then they had a coup and uh, the government has been in a bit of turmoil. And so I don't think this has been a priority for them. So that one hasn't moved much. Um, you talk about the trade agreements. Uh, this was supposed to be a warm peace that saw the peoples coming together. And in a funny way, I think Morocco and Israel in terms of warmth, um, and wanting to get to know each other. And, you know, I've been contacted by many people living in Morocco saying we wish as a Jewish community in South Africa would visit and they've got some of the oldest shuls and the relationship between Jews and Morocco goes back so many years. But we haven't really, that warmth may not materialize into kind of rands and cents, as it were. 
But the worrying thing is that it's not as warm with um, the UAE as people had hoped. I think these things take time. I think, uh, you know, it's, it is a getting to know one another expo- experience, feeling each other out. Uh, so, so, and it takes effort. Uh, and I, I know a number of Israeli NGOs have been organizing trips for young people there, for bloggers and for internet influencers and entrepreneurs. Um, have, have, you know, those sorts of things have definitely happened. We've seen things like the first ever rugby match between the UAE and Israel and, uh, you know, th- those sorts of things. So, but people to people contacts take time. Uh, what we have seen is a number of Israelis going to live in UAE, um, and setting up their businesses, uh, which is very promising. And that's only going to help improve the people-to-people relations. Um, as you say, with Morocco, there's a very long history. There's been a, a Jewish community there for, for many centuries uh, and, in fact, was one of the biggest in the, in the Arab world. Uh, and then with the declaration of the states in 48, like the other Arab countries, many, many Jews left. But Morocco was the only one where a significant number of Jews stayed. Difficult to tell the numbers, but some have said there are about 2,500 uh, Jews left in Morocco, and as you say, the most beautiful Jewish buildings and shuls. There should definitely be more tourism between, say, South Africa and Morocco. Uh, but the king, uh, because it's a constitutional monarchy, the king has been quite protective of the Jews and has been quite instrumental in in the continued survival of the small now Jewish community in Morocco. So, yeah, you know, there have been there have definitely been organised events between these countries. And I think an interesting place to look is is in the cybersphere. So if you look on Twitter, there are a number of bloggers on both the UAE and the Israeli side that generally uh, uh, and, and regularly exchange information and make comments and so forth. And I think that's a sign that it it is there, uh, you know, to expect them to be bosom buddies at this point in time after, you know, really not a long not a long history of, of, of established relations is perhaps overexpectant, but um, I think I think they're coming. You know, if you compare to the the rather cold piece with Egypt and Jordan, I think uh, this really has potential. Stephen, uh, there was expectation that more countries would join, and that really hasn't come to light. Why is that? So, I think we mustn't forget that this was a Donald Trump administration. Project. Trump's son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner, was very instrumental, along with some others, in trying to do a deal, which is what Mr. Trump is famous for, to do a deal uh, in the Middle East. Uh, we had the Trump peace plan for Israel uh, and the Palestinians, which came out at the beginning of 2011 uh, and didn't gain much traction, I'll be honest. But uh, the Abraham Accords were very much something that, that Trump pushed. And by August, September of 2020, we saw the signing on the White House lawn with uh, Bahrain and UAE. And then a couple of months later, Morocco and Sudan joined. And we were told the others are going to join. They're just flocking to do so. Uh, the big prize, of course, would have been Saudi Arabia, which is the most influential state in the region. But uh, that hasn't yet materialized, although many have said that nothing would have happened without Saudi Arabia's green light. We have seen some thawing. One is that Israeli planes are now allowed to overfly Saudi airspace. So these things are incremental. But uh, so so Trump had had said openly that states are going to be lining up to to recognize Israel. It didn't happen. And I think with his departure from office and with Jared Kushner's departure, it lost momentum. There's no question it lost steam. And and we haven't seen this snowballing. I think, uh, you know, 
uh, getting the countries on board that are on board is should not be downplayed. I think it's a major achievement. Would we like to see all the Arab countries uh, in the Abraham Accords? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're seeing small signs of, of improving relations. There was just a deal done this week between Israel and Lebanon, who, of course, don't are not at a state of peace and don't have mutual recognition, but on um, exploration of the seas. And, and, and that was hard fought. So uh, the, the, Trump, the, the Biden administration has continued with these policies. They don't like to call them the Abraham Accords. They call them something else uh, because that would sound too much like Trump. And but they have not uh, undone these policies, for example. You know, and I think quite significantly earlier in the year, we had the Negev summit in Steboker in Israel, where foreign ministers of, of these countries all attended. And uh, they've said this is going to be an annual event. Uh, and so that is something that the Biden administration has pursued. Um, so I don't think it's going to be reversed by Biden, but it doesn't have the same impetus that it had under Trump. Yeah, I agree with you that we shouldn't be too too concerned about it because the fact that they are forging ahead with the relations that they've got, that um, that there is so much excitement. And I saw some of the pictures of some of the celebrations around the world. And you know, those who are committed to it are really committed to it. Stephen, the other thing that when the Abraham Accords happened was um, the – the Palestinians. It was thought that this somehow would have a positive impact on bringing more peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And again, this just seems to have not happened. Yeah, uh, that's right. The Palestinians have uh, been wrong-footed by these accords. They have been taken out of the limelight. Um, and if it was thought that the Abraham Accords would push Palestinians closer to a peace deal or closer to the negotiating table, uh, that hasn't happened. Um, but I think this was a, a really a case of, 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 of those negotiations and, and uh, talks having been really frozen and, and nothing's happened for the last 15 years. Uh, Israel and its neighbors saying, well, we're not going to wait for you. Uh, we're going to forge ahead with what we want to do. If you'd like to join the peace train, jump on. But uh, as far as making a major breakthrough, no, it hasn't. It hasn't materialized like that. And uh, you know, you had countries like South Africa saying that this is regrettable and that we are disappointed with these agreements because there's for such a long time one of the the holy cows uh, of the Arab states' approach to to the conflict has been no recognition of Israel until there is a peace deal with the Palestinians. And this uh, turned that on its head, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we haven't seen much movement. We haven't seen promised elections in the Palestinian Authority. Those have been postponed again. And really not much movement at all on that front. So, if anything, it's left the Palestinians behind and it's taken them out of the limelight. Not out of the limelight is Iran. That is still very much in Iran. And to what extent is that a binding force between the uh, countries of the Abraham Accords? I, I think it's an important factor. Um, I think they all are fearful of Iran. They're fearful of a nuclear war, uh, an armed Iran. But even if it doesn't get nuclear weapons, it's a threatening presence in the Middle East. It has uh, threatened, or, or you know, the countries of of the Accords. And uh, definitely, an anti-Iran alliance makes sense for these countries, and they'll do whatever they can to to prevent uh, Iran going nuclear. Um, so, yeah, they've made it explicit that this is formation that seeks to increase the security of countries in the face of a, an aggressive uh, Iran uh, at the moment. 
Stephen, two years back, there was great excitement. We had our first anniversary, second anniversary. Where do you think we're going to from here? Well, just to talk a little bit about the second anniversary, I mean, who would have thought if I'd said to you three years ago that the foreign minister of the UAE would be laying a wreath at Yad Vashem at the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem? I mean, it can give you goosebumps. Um, and to see the pictures of, of this man in his flowing white robes uh, putting, you know, honoring the, the, the dead of the Holocaust uh, was just amazing. Where's it going to go? I think it's, it'll be dependent on creativity and on energy and effort. Uh, trade will definitely increase. Uh, visits are going to increase. What, what one thing I think which would be very good is if uh, Israeli tourism was marketed a bit more aggressively in the UAE market so that uh, the planes would be full coming the other way. Um, but I think also a recognition that there's a lot to learn and uh, there's been an estrangement for so long that uh, there is a lot to learn, but that there's actually much more in common than, than what separates. So I think we should only see it in a positive light. Um, we should hope that other countries would, would also uh, take the step, but even if they don't, um, I think there is a lot of uh, hard work going on to make this a real, a real partnership. Stephen, thank you very much. I think the next time we're chatting, it's on um, Russia. And um, soon it's going to be a, 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 commemor- a year commemoration of... Uh, yeah, un- unfortunately, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with these uh, annexations of the four areas and uh, Ukrainian advances. But, yes, happy to talk about Russia whenever you like. Yes, I think that that will have to be our next discussion because that one's not going away either. Um, Stephen Grease, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Cherise. That was Stephen Grust, who is the, and I will tell you in exactly one second, the, I should note it by heart by now, Stephen, the head of the African Governance and Diplomacy Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Thanks so much, Stephen.